you have your Bibles, may I encourage you to take them and turn to the book of Hebrews, if you will. Hebrews, and we're going to look at chapter 11 as we open up the word that he has for us today. Faith is a common denominator in life. Everyone alive daily expresses faith in something. No one can live a single day without exercising faith. Faith in the physical world. When you got up this morning and you went to the bathroom this morning and you flipped on the light switch, you had faith that it would work. When some of you still mail letters in our postal system, you have faith that the postal system will get it to the right address. When you go to the pharmacy, you have faith that the pharmacist will give you the right drugs. Every time you walk into this building or any building, you express faith in the architect and the workman that built it that is going to stand. Faith is also expressed in the spiritual realm. Each of us, regardless of our backgrounds or education or social status or our talents, can express faith. The difference between faith we exercise in our daily routine and our religious faith is the object of that faith. Again, everyone places their faith in something or someone. The Muslim puts their faith in the Quran or Muhammad. The humanist puts their faith in themselves. The follower of religion in their own good works. And none of these can save. Because in each case, the object of faith is wrong. Your faith is only as good as the object in which you place your faith in. And the Bible insists that we personally place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says this. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which you must be saved. As we wrap up this series on transitioning well, I want to talk about faith. I want us to see two things this morning. 
what faith is and what faith does. So let me begin. Let us read the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 11. And if you have your uh, phone and you follow along with that, please do so. In your bulletin, there is an outline. I would encourage you to take notes. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. Well, let's understand what faith is. And for us to understand what faith is, we must get past certain misconceptions about faith. Here's the first misconception. That faith is the ability to manipulate God. In this approach of wealth and health, or the prosperity gospel that's out there, this approach only sees faith as having one aim, one fruit, a life of ease and blessing. So the first misconception is that faith is the ability to manipulate God. The second is a faith of, hang on a minute here, just lost it. <clears throat> that faith is adherence to a set of beliefs. You must believe the right doctrine. But Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I know whom I believe. And if your beliefs are not founded on the right person, it doesn't matter what else you believe. If it's not founded on the God's word, it doesn't matter. It falls short. The third misconception of faith That faith is a blind leap into the dark. To many unbelievers, and I have this discussion often with my friends, I have many that do not know Christ yet as their Lord and Savior, but they're on their journey. To many, faith is the antithesis of science. To those saying you just have to have faith is the same as saying you just have to act contrary to everything you know and trust that it'll all work out for the best. So faith, misconception, is a blind leap into the dark. Finally, Faith is simply devotion to whatever God one happens to follow. 
it can be said at a person's funeral or a good friend, he is a person of deep faith. But he might have been a follower of Muhammad or he might even be and have the title of Christian. And what really matters is that they're sincere, is what people say. But unfortunately, none of these are true faith. And Hebrews chapter 11 portrays what real faith really looks like. And as we've been on this journey of transitioning well, as we've been talking about closure, as we've been talking about what is God's will, as we've been seeking God's will, as we've been praying, we're coming to the summary of this, and it's faith. Hebrews chapter 11 says, Now faith is the absence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. True faith First of all is confidence, confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. True faith. When we take a look at these verses, it is the substance of things hoped for or the evidence of things not seen. And the Greek word for substance means literally to stand under or to support. Faith is the foundation that gives the believer, you and I, the confidence to stand. The verse could even be translated this way. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. As I was preparing this, I was reading about Hudson Taylor, a missionary. And this illustrates quite well in his life. When Hudson Taylor, he was a famous missionary, went to China. And he was in a sailing vessel. And they came very close to the shore of a, a cannibal island. And the ship was caught in a calm. And it was slowly drifting to the shore. And the savages were eager, anticipating a feast. And the captain came to Mr. Taylor and sought him out and, pray, and asked him to pray that God would help. And Taylor said, I will. Taylor said, I'll provide you that he'll set your sails to catch the breeze. He asked the captain to join him, of which the captain declined. And all of a sudden, as Taylor was praying, there was a knock on his door in the cabin, and it was the captain's voice that answered, he said, are you still praying for wind? 
Taylor said, yes. The captain said, well, you better stop praying because we have more wind than we can manage. Substance for things hoped for. Evidence of things not seen. God can move in a mighty way. Second thing that we see is described what faith is. It's translated evidence and means conviction. This inward conviction enables you and I to believe things that are not seen. That God will perform what he promised. Says powerful things. Let us take a look at what faith does in verses 4 through 7 of Hebrews. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who honestly seek him. Verse seven, by faith, Noah when warned about these things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. And by this faith he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness. That comes by faith. What does faith do? Faith caused Abel to worship God. Verse 4. And we see this, if you want to write it down, Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. It's a story about Abel. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now we don't know the details of Abel's faith. We do not know much about what had been revealed to Abel, about how he was to worship God, but we do know that his faith caused him to worship God. And this verse tells us that Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. He chose the the finest lamb as an offering, an unblemished lamb. He brought it to the place of sacrifice. Faith caused Enoch to walk with God. We see this in verse four, 5 and 6. Enoch is a fascinating Bible character. Enoch lived in one of the darkest periods of history of the world. Enoch lived just before God had to destroy the earth because of man's evil. And yet Enoch managed to keep himself pure. And it says that Enoch walked with God. 
Yet the Genesis record indicates that this was not always the case in Enoch's life. If you want to write this down, Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 and 24. For the first 65 years of his life, Enoch did not walk with God. Presumably, he was a man of his times. But from the birth of his son, Methuselah, throughout the remaining 300 years of his life, he walked with God. So 65 was just a teenager because he went to 300. And the Hebrew form of the verb means that he walked closely, continually with God. The walk that Enoch experienced was on a deep intimacy with God. He lived every day in the presence of the Lord in constant communion with him. And the hallmark of Enoch's life, as it says here in Scripture, is that he pleased God. What a wonderful description of a believer's life. And so I leave these questions with you this morning. Can that be said of your life? Is God pleased with how I'm using my time? Is God pleased with what I'm reading? Is God pleased with the words I speak? Is God pleased with your plans for the future? Enoch walk of faith delivered him from the consequences of death. My question I leave with you this morning is, well, yours. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? This verse does not say that faith is simply one way to please God. It is the only way. Faith caused Noah to work for God, verse 7. The story of Noah's generation is the story of how humanity continued to decline into sin. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. The wickedness of man was great. Every intent of thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 11. It sounds like today. It's also the story of marvelous grace of God in saving both Noah and his family. You see, Noah stood alone against the whole world. And Jesus used the days of Noah as representation and reparative of the condition of the world before his second coming. And you see this in Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 and 39. He was encouraging his followers to prepare 
to face the same kind of scornful hostility that Noah met day after day. Noah built an ark because he believed God. Every tree he fell shouted faith. Every board he sawed shouted faith. Every swing of the hammer shouted faith. Every seam he applied the pitch to shouted faith. This morning, do your works reflect faith? Faith will make us work. Only his steadfast belief in God kept Noah faithful for 120 years of cutting the trees and putting the ark together. Can you imagine the mockery that he went through? on a daily basis. And most of the people refused to believe Noah's witness concerning the coming flood. And yet in faith, he went right on, working and witnessing, building the ark, warning the people of the coming judgment. And then the final act of faith, him and his family stepped into the ark and the Lord closed the door. Noah was a man of faith. His life continually showed his faith in the Lord. The question I leave with you is, does yours, does mine reflect that same thing? Noah worshipped God faithfully as Abel had. He walked with God faithfully as Enoch did. And he worked for God faithfully. As I was thinking about this, and we've all done this with our kids, or we've all done this with our grandchildren, but a little story goes like this. A three-year-old felt secure in his dad's arms as he stood in the middle of the pool. But dad, for fun, began to swim slowly towards the deep end. Gently, encouraging his son deeper and deeper and deeper. And as the water rose higher and higher on the child, the little boy's face started registering increasing degrees of panic. And his arms got tighter around his dad's neck because he had totally forgotten that his dad was easily touching the bottom of the pool. You see, had the little boy been able to analyze this situation, he would have realized that there's no reason for increased anxiety. The water's depth in any part of the pool was over his head, even in the shallowest part. His safety anywhere in the pool depended on his dad. At various points in our life, We all feel like we're getting out of our depths. Maybe we have problems in our life, in our marriages, in our things that are going on. 
a job loss, someone dies. Our temptation is to panic. For we feel we've lost control. And yet, as with the child in the pool, the truth is we have never been in control over the most valuable things of life. We've always been held up by the grace of God, our Father, who does not change. You see, God is never out of his depth. And therefore, we are safe when we're going deeper as we've ever been. Perhaps God wants to move you today deeper than before. It is faith that will give you confidence and conviction to worship God faithfully as Abel had. Walk faithfully with God as Enoch did and work faithfully for God as Noah did. It's all through faith. As we call up the worship team here this morning, let me close with prayer. I have the elders come up and if, and if you would like prayer, please come up. They would love to pray with you and for you. Let me just pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are our object of faith. You are our hope on which we can stand. When all other grounds are sinking sand, when things are crumbling, you are there. You are not. It is not above you. It is not beyond you. It is not beyond your control. Lord, as we have journeyed this time, Lord, may we really look at our faith and is our faith in you. Are you the object of our faith? Are we going to stand firm on you with your word? Lord, as we continue to walk, may you move in a mighty way. And pray as things in your name.